Hello, hello, and welcome to Archetypal Hour. My name is Adam, and uh, we are here to talk about the archetypes. Let me just send a message to the rest of the pot. We're live in Archetypal Hour. Okay. So, today's archetypal hour, as always, want to leave lots of room to see what's popping in your all's imaginal worlds, in your inner cosmos, what archetypes seem to be coming up in your field. Are you feeling maybe are drawing you in or are catching your attention or are trying to make themselves known? So, always invite those archetypes in. Um, and so we'll start there, but I'll just to give you a, a little tease to see if, if, any, if it helps spark anything interesting. The one thing I did want to bring up today is a little bit about a talk about like what it means to have like the archetype of like ages. Ages. Um, and I guess we can be pretty broad. When I first was really thinking about this, there was some conversation in um, that I was having in culture on the in, in our discord in the pot um but it's been coming up elsewhere too i think i had one one thread where i was really trying to draw attention to sort of this age of uh the nuclear age i can never actually say that correctly nuclear age i'm definitely a nuclear kind of guy uh nuclear nuclear age um and like the quantum age and how that's a very huge gap thank you hoda i'm being affirmed that i'm not the only one that that, that drops the nuclear uh, like a like a like a grade school child, but you know what? The inner child is very welcome. Childishness is uh very welcome in this space. So it is what it is. So, but I've also I've had this question that I had posed, um, sort of like just sort of see what people's thoughts were in culture about. Okay, if if we went from like kind of an Earth Mother age to a Sky Father age in terms of the big sort of what seems to be the difference, meaning the difference between sort of like the more earthbound mother goddess type worship we see with the most indigenous uh, populations across the world to what we see later in the Near East and then in Europe too, which is like sort of like the um, the sky father type of uh, of image of archetype, like the Yahweh, like um, like Indra, like Zeus, um, and just trying to think about. What would what would come next? What would ne what would the next age be? What what age might we be in transition with? So that was those are a couple of things that were in my field that I thought would be interesting and juicy to talk about and see what people's thoughts were and uh, and others. Um, so I guess today will be a little bit about the archetypes of ages and seeing what seems relevant for for where we are right now and sort of what archetypes might help locate us in space time. I think could be really interesting. So I'm kind of curious what. But everyone's thoughts are there and, and to see what comes through as we go into our own sort of uh, either channels or inner imaginal or however we want to sort of approach this. Um, and I thought also the archetypes of liminality might be really interesting too to really invite into this container to see who wants to come up. Um, because as we talk about ages and trying to place ourselves in space time archetypally, it might be interesting if we which again might not be true, but if we are perhaps on the verge or in sort of transition to a new age, which to me it feels like, but maybe I'm incorrect in that, 
it might be interesting to draw on some archetypes of transition, archetypes of liminality, whether that's like a sim symbol kind of archetypal or like deities. And there's lots of really interesting liminal deities um, that we can maybe discuss and look at. Um, but so that's I just gave like a little kind of overview of where I think could be cool to discuss. Um, but before we go down any of those, I want to just check in with the folks that are with me now live. And I'm going to check in with myself, too, and see if anyone wants to just share a little bit about what are the archetypes of the week that came up for you in the last week or that you maybe are sensing. Uh, and maybe it's a continuation of ones that have come up before, but I'd love to hear the evolution to see if those same archetypes are still there, if that relationship's changed or deepened or if anything, any new fruit has been born with uh, some of the archetypes that might have come up last week um, for you all. So I'm just going to hold space while I wait for some of this. People wants to come up within me, but also to let people come off mute or answer in the chat what archetypes feel really juicy to you in this moment. Well, I'll admit this last week, I was finding myself with Dionysus a lot. And I think I shared that in the pot also. And that feels very related to this, to sort of Orpheus being in my field. And I think Orpheus is what originally drew me to Dionysus. But it's been interesting. He's an interesting archetype. He's one of the more paradoxical deities that I've uh encountered it's been really interesting um i made a joke on twitter too like so fascinating to me but like i made i made a comment on twitter that like i haven't really drank alcohol in almost two years now like last two two marches ago i had a, an experience that really opened space for some like i guess it, i don't know i'm not even how to pretend to use words for it but either way because of that experience I really just like my desire to drink alcohol just evaporated like like that. Um, and it just really wasn't doing stuff, you know, healthy for my body. Thanks, Hoda. Um, I spent one week with Dionysus and I swear I could taste alcohol in my mouth this week several times. I was like, why am I tasting alcohol? Like, do I have the cravings again? And I was like, freaking Dionysus. <laughs> You got to be careful who you invite into your uh, psychic space, man. Hey, hey, Tiff. So so glad to see you here. We are just in the early part of the, the container, Tiff. So we're sharing uh, maybe any archetypes that came up for us this last week or or a continuous continuation of exploration and journeying and partnering with archetypes that have come up in the past. Um, and then later today, we, we might... Uh, explore some archetypes of like different ages and transitional kind of archetypes. Um, but yeah, want to see if anything is coming up for you. And I was just sharing Dionysus came up for me this week. Uh, and that's a, that's an interesting one. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, it, I would say that um, it's not an energy that's, uh, that's, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Let's just say that. It's a lot. It's all over the place. But want to check in. Want to check in with others before I ramble on. And <laughs> about Dionysus. The Prince of Bacchus. Yes, Hoda. 
Yes. Yeah, it's like so for those that aren't familiar with Dionysus or Bacchus, um gosh. I mean he's most like the the most succinct, kind of concise is like he's often really just like the god of winemaking, or some will say the god of vegetation. Um but you know, he's also a god of ritual madness, of ritual ecstasy, um, but also very closely related to, to theater and music and singing and dancing, you know, these sort of revelries um, and the, the mysteries surrounding him and a lot of the Dionysian mysteries uh, had a lot. Ooh, Hoda said, uh, ritual madness, going to put a pin in that. Yeah, it's a really interesting, I've always found that part particularly fascinating. It helped me realize that I, I've, I think I've danced with Dionysus before, but I just wouldn't have called it that. I would have just called it being a, uh, you know, a white boy who went too far with alcohol in the tw in their twenties. And you've all met those archetypes before. Uh, there's something about the like twenty-something-year-old white guy that just like goes to these extremes that you're like, what? How does someone get that drunk? And yet we do. And so I feel like I've danced with Dionysus uh, before in my own little ritual madness. Who just says yes, and I love dancing with them. <laughs> I mean, I love partying with them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. If you if you're looking to to add some fuel to your your party, just need one of those in the mix, and suddenly everyone's doing shots. And like, how did this even happen? It's like, well, Dionysus has entered the chat. Maybe uh, I think he does have a special appeal with the <laughs> with the West. Uh, I also was as I was reading about Dionysus, it was like one of the earliest Roman Republic laws was against the some of the festivals of Bacchus because they were just too crazy. They were too wild, even for Rome or for the Republic, at least. Fascinating. But anyway, Dionysus. Yeah, he's been in my field. I think what I really like about him, too, is that like I will say that the goddess has been first and foremost for a while for me. And Dionysus is like. You know, he's an interesting one because the the earth is normally really considered feminine. And so you see a lot of earth goddesses and obviously Gaia. Dionysus is interesting because he really he's a male deity, but he's really close to the earth, right? He's a god of vegetation. And he had and like a lot of the Dionysian stuff. It was really interesting. Anyway, I, I think he's an interesting one because he does he does seem to play with gender a little bit for me. At least that's how I sense the energy. That it's a little more fluid. I don't know how to describe it, but but the phallus is a big deal to the to Dionysian uh, 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 devotees. He feels like an aspect of pain or related to pain in a way. Definitely, definitely. And that's what's so interesting about him is he sort of blends with a lot of other deities. Um, and also, you know, he is funny. Like the other, he has his other name, Zagris, Zagreus. No, I'm getting it wrong now. Um, but it kept showing up in my field, and I looked it up, and I realized that that's actually the character in the video game Hades, which is very fascinating because I've been thinking about the underworld a lot. And apparently, they had changed the game had decided to make Zagreus a child of uh, Hades and Persephone. Um, but in some of the stuff I've read, usually Zagreus is a form of Dionysus that the Orphics said that actually. Instead of Zeus and uh, Semele, it was Zeus and Persephone, which is would be pretty, which would be a pretty, pretty big deal if that was true. So that's an interesting thing. There's a lot of mystery around around this uh, Dionysus. Anyway, I feel like I'm talking way too much about Dionysus. I want to see what what's in your field. What's coming up for you all? 
feel free to come off of mute. My parakeets are chiming in. Ooh, I like this print. I'm just, Tiff was generous enough to put a, a a print gif into the chat, and I just got to watch this uh, this purple streak going back and forth against the stage. It's actually quite lovely. Interesting. Oda says, I felt an aspect of Athena come to me in meditation last night. Athena Nike. Or, yeah, I think I don't know how to, how to actually pronounce that in Greek. But that's really interesting. Now, she's fascinating, too. What was this? Something about her. I was really into her. I was, I was not into her, but she came up in my field, too. But I forget how it was. Oh, yes, I remember. I was looking. Hestia showed up in my field also. And Hestia is a really, she's an interesting one. She doesn't get a lot of, there's not really many myths about her. There's very little about her when I looked for stuff on her online. But she is, she's the goddess of the hearth. She's one of Zeus's sisters. She actually was the first born, but she was the last thrown up by Cronus. So she was sort of like, she has this cool like first last archetypal energy because she was the first and then she became the last. Um, he took a pledge to stay a virgin and she's the guy that but her real, you know, she's basically the one who protects the sacred fire uh, in Mount Olympus. And Hestia was really important. She was one of the most important deities in some ways because every home had a hearth and the home operator on the hearth. The hearth was what, you know, the fire that kept you warm in the winter, fed you during the day. Um, so she was really interesting. But anyway, she came up. And the reason why I'm, I'm doing bringing this up is at least in one of the, what little is on there, she probably doesn't show up in every myth around Athena, but one of the Athena myths was that after, um, you know, uh, Zeus's head was split open and Athena popped out, that it was Hestia that took care of her, according to one legend. And that something about that relationship, um, it, at least the, what it was told in this video, was that somehow this might have inspired Athena to, take, to also take a pledge of virginity and to become... Uh, um, what's the word? Yeah. Mm, her wet nurse says Hoda. Yay. I think so. It's really interesting. But thank you. Yeah, anything that anything in particular that felt like strong for you that came through or that you're feeling that like you're integrating today, Hoda, that uh, regarding Athena? And it's interesting to see that pairing with victory. Which makes sense. I mean, Athena is a goddess of war and strategy, wisdom. And uh, yeah, that kind of wisdom strategy will certainly get you a victory, wouldn't it? It's really cool to see them paired. Interesting. Hoya says, mm, yes, the signature of victory of the home hearth, ironically. Woo! Wow. I'm just going to let that settle because that's, that's really interesting to see these things right now. The victory of the home and hearth. Hold up. I'm, I'm, I know you might be busy or not in the mood, but I would love to hear 
you expand on what that might look like. I'm just going to sit with that to see what even comes up for me. The phrase is so beautiful, though. I'm like excited to see what it evokes in me. Victory of the home. Or, yeah, you can type it, of course. Whatever whatever feels good. Victory of the home. Her. And I see if typing, so I'm excited to see what, what's coming up for her, too. And it's funny too. I, I couldn't help but be like, I've been thinking like, what what might the hearth of today be? I was like, I ever heard some other people talking about this, but I'm like, man, I really want to build a Hestia practice. Maybe I feel really something about this goddess that feels really just, I don't know, kindly. But I was trying to figure out like, in my in my mind, is like the locus of the hearth is probably the kitchen. But like, what would that look like? Ooh, Tiff said, maybe a blacksmith archetype. Hmm. I feel like I'm studying and focusing more on getting myself in order in different ways. And it's not much fun or enjoyable, but like strike while the iron is hot. So I have some energy. I will keep swinging my hammer. Now that's interesting. I feel like there's one that's coming up for me. Well, what's his name? The Greek, is it Hephaestus? I think he's the one that made the axe that actually split open Zeus's head. So I think he's an interesting guy. I feel like there's another one that's coming up for me. There is a goddess black, too. Now, that's powerful, though. Okay, thanks, Soda. She's confirmed about that. So he, but blacksmith. I feel like I'm studying and focusing on getting myself in order. It's not much fun. Strike while the iron's hot. Hmm. Maybe even just sticking with the archetypes of like that process of like, so do you feel like you're being kind of like tempered with fire, so to speak, in an archetypal sense? Um, that whole process of blacksmithing is so interesting. I don't know much about it, but just like from watching movies or TV shows, like it's just this interesting thing of like eating up, smoking with the with the with the hammer, uh tempering with the water going back like it's such an interesting like there's all these extremes happening and all this stress and through that all these extremes and high stress comes this really sharp purified tempered steel tiff says yeah like i'm out of the fire now my molecules are being realigned Woo! yeah i can see how that's maybe exciting while also not being pleasant just saying, I don't know. Molecule realignment sounds like both to me. And of course, molecule molecule realignment, just that phrase archetypally, now I'm like feeling quantum. Ooh, let's see what this. Hoda says in response to Tiff about the blacksmith archetype, I feel, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so sorry. Knum, A-H-N-U-M, or maybe Knum, might rule this primordial reality in comedic mythos. I'm just going to read the top of the wiki that was posted. Knum also Romanized Nimu. Knumu, I'm doing such a bad job. Was one of the earliest known Egyptian deities, originally the god of the source of the Nile. Since the annual flooding of the Nile brought with it silt and clay, and its water brought life to its surroundings, he was thought to be the creator of the bodies of humans. Interesting. Now, what an interesting image, too. It almost, it looks like, what kind of, 
kind of head is that? It looks like an... Well, I got to click this link real quick. Thank you for posting this. Um, one of the earliest known, too. I love when we go back really to the, to the old ones. Let's see. Can you... Usually depicted with the head of a ram. Ah, that's a ram's head. But it's green. That was what was so interesting to me. Fascinating. Just as I watched a lot of blacksmith YouTubers during the quarantine times. So I definitely absorbed some subconscious metaphysical references. Thank you for saying that. I, it's amazing how these things show up. It's almost like, I think we've said before that like in some ways, you know, this, whatever you want to call, I might just call it a soul for now, just to like shorthand it, but that's probably not really the right term, but like this, the inner being, right? Um, that inner, not the persona, not the sort of ego that we're used to dealing with, this inner mysterious part of us, this essence that speaks and communicates in archetypes. It's kind of amazing that they can use whatever whatever you give them. Like whatever archetypes we consume, they'll try to find a way to like, okay, I guess these are the references. It's like kind of like, you know, like those uh, those magnets that have like the words, like you put them on their fridge and you can make poems out of it or make whatever. It's like, okay, let's see what uh, the uh, persona fed me today. Oh, interesting archetypes. Let me see how I can kind of use it to do what I got to do in the dreams, do what I got to do in the astrals, communicate what I got to communicate through uh, through the guides. Like, it's an interesting thing. Um, and they, uh, yeah, it's so fascinating that they'll find a way to like, so the blacksmith archetypes are there. They're already they've already taken up residence and space in your inner mansions and in your inner world. And now uh, the archetypes are saying, "Hmm, I think we could use this to get through this section to to help her stay focused and keep on her work." Because that that sword that we're making is going to come out. Hoda says to find that fascinating too. Yeah, and the magnet poems are fun, and it's actually a really cool part of the creative process. Actually, it was just saw TikTok. Maybe that's why I see this is why it's in my head. It came in my head because a TikTok put it in my head because Rick Rubin was talking about making a Tom Petty record and they bought one of some of those and they just put the words all over the, the refrigerator and Tom Petty would just vamp while he was singing and make up songs as he goes and something about seeing all the different words on the fridge would help inspire him and he would just write songs on the spot like that and it really worked for his creative process for that album. Because just being primed by seeing certain words, it was like, oh, the brain started to say, oh, there's some ingredients. I can put these together in an interesting way. Sort of a way to sort of invite the, dim the diamond, right? When you have this randomness and this sort of fuel from the mundane, this inner reality is able to, to play with those archetypally and come up with something cool or create something quite new and novel. Thank you for sharing that. Any particular parts of the blacksmith process that are really seem timely to where you're at right now, Tiff? But it's better to be the blacksmith than the, than the blade being tempered, right? Or do you feel like that's both? What's the blade? Yeah, I, I think I'm both. But yes. A lot of times, like in those, in those, in any type of like archetype, I kind of, if it's got like, a relationship of some sort, I can see myself in both. So, like, 
it's like I'm 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 shaping myself into something via via actions and um yeah it's like imagining like what I've seen from the blacksmiths like you you're in this place like wherever you are even if it's like in the open air like that furnace is always hot and so I'm like I'm kind of like trying to trying to you know hammer this thing into a shape that's myself but also it's really it's really hot and annoying sometimes but like you've been waiting all this time for it to get hot enough so now you pull it out you got to start swinging you got to start shaping it because it's going to cool down and you're going to have to put it back in the fire so like that's what i'm kind of like i suddenly maybe it's maybe it's the happy new year egregore of like do uh resolutions but i'm just like i never made a resolution i just like started doing stuff so usually i'm procrastinating or lazy or just like not doing stuff or stumbling into doing stuff but like right now it's i don't know it just feels like a good time to do stuff and i have the energy to do it so like i'm like all right let me turn this phone off the the ability to turn my turn off my youtube i, I watch too much youtube and so i stopped i'm like all right i said i'm said timers and I'm not snoozing them as much. I just turn off the YouTube and go do the thing I was supposed to be doing. So, like, things are getting in order. And also, like, the fire being hot. Like, there's just a lot of events around this time of year. Like, with my family, with just, like, obligations, different jobs, different gigs. It, it's all, like, coming together. Like, be, like, I see it coming. I see it's going to be an overwhelming time. That's going to be the fire. But as long as I get my sword together now, I can go in and handle business when the time comes and not be overwhelmed. So like that's, I don't know. That's, that's my, that's, uh, it's, it's the whole process. It's, it's just a repeat. You got to hammer and then put it back in the fire, wait for it to heat up, hammer some more, shape it. Then like, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the forging process. I think after you get it, after you get it kind of hammered into shape, then you got to like grind it and polish it and put an edge on it and stuff. We're not there yet. We're just getting the basic roughed out billet. All right. I thought I lost you, Tip, but um, I think I lost myself here. I had to go on my phone, having some issues here. Um, yeah. I I lost the last part of what you were saying, Tip, but I might have realized it might have been me that lost it. Um, I well, I heard all the piece about kind of having that steel ready, 
right? And that you were you had your tool ready. The the piece about after just after you talked about kind of wanting to cut YouTube out, doing to do the things. And then there was something else at the end I missed. Um, but I just love the way you were describing that. And I like that you I was gonna ask what tool you were making as a blacksmith. And then when you said sword, I'm like, ah, I'm curious what what resonates for you with sword. Because I always maybe because of the tarot cards, I do tend to associate sword swords with with air with mind uh and particularly with in, the intellect that sort of discriminating force of mind um and so like sort of that sword to me is like the sharper the sword um and the stronger the sword the the better it's able to just slice like like surgically slice oh maybe a chef knife chip says well i went with sword because you said sword maybe a chef knife actually perfect now, a chef knife is even more, yeah, that's that's getting even more fine. Like, you can really, so the chef knife, and, like, I can't help, and I, maybe this is because Nobu just had a cool, really cool transmission about art and food, but, like, something about chef knife, to me, evokes, like, artistry, right? Like, some of those chefs are so not just disciplined with that knife and know how to do it, but artistic with that knife. Like, there's, like, you know, oh. I like that. So you're 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 fashioning a chef knife. Ooh. Thank you, Tiff. Um oh, oh, I see some typing. Oh no, my pleasure. Please thank you for letting us explore it. And like, yeah, keep us updated as that as that goes. Um that sounds really fruitful and really powerful archetypes to me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, and Hoda, I don't know if you had more you wanted to say about Athena and the sort of victory of the home hearth, but wanted to ask one more time before, uh, before moving on. And Lexi, obviously, if anything is coming up for you, would love to hear it. Well, I might be able to join on my laptop again. All right, I'm back on my laptop. We'll see if this is any better. Mm. Hoda says, yes, I'm not even fully sure what the distinction between general victory and victory for the home and the hearth might be. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, I understand. Like, Things can come through and you're like, I'm really not sure how to put words to that yet. But I know what I felt. Mm. I'm going to try to think about what that might feel like. But it feels like I'm getting cues on types of victories that ripple back and forward throughout generations. Ooh, so there's like an ancestral element, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know... I was thinking about, like I said, I was trying to like think like what would be the hearth, and like I know some people say, well, like the stove, or if it's a gas stove, it might be a hearth because it has a pilot. And I'm like, okay, that's getting a little too literal. Like if I were to just sort of broadly think archetypally, I might just say the kitchen, and maybe that's just me. Maybe just because I grew up in one of those families where like we always ended up in the kitchen, 
Like we've got a big old living room, family room and shit. Everyone's huddled up in that kitchen. That's where the food is. That's where the snacks are. That's where the drinks are. You know, like, so a lot of my, and even me, like I can't help when I'm in my own home, I find myself when I just sort of like unconsciously am in my home and I'm just like wandering or doing whatever at night or, and all of a sudden I'll find myself, wow, I'm always in the kitchen. Why am I always near the kitchen or near that fridge? And maybe because there's something pulling me towards the kitchen as like, as like a hearth almost. Um, and I don't know why, but like victory of the home and hearth that ripples across generations. Like I do feel connection to food when I hear that, like, like the table's always got food for everybody. I mean, what kind of, what better victory than that to have a happy, healthy table? Like, could there be a better victory than that? Hoda says, I also imagine family altars would act as a hearth as well. Oh, yes. Yes. And I'm, does anyone on this call have a, yeah. Tiff says a celebratory meal at the crib. I mean, like, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. Even the Avengers, even the Avengers post Loki <laughs> in the movie, they went and got some falafels afterwards, right? That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Oh, this is top five vibes for celebratory meal at the crib. I mean, yeah. And it's funny too, whenever my, I play with my daughter, a lot of our characters, like when when something when a big victory's been had, what do you do? You feast. Let's have a feast, man. <laughs> what else is there to do? But eat and drink and be merry. We had a victory. That's what the victory is for. Happy table. And happy bed, too. Um, wow. That's fun. So the victory, I would imagine a family altar. Yeah. Family altar is powerful, too. I'm curious if anyone ha does have an actual <laughs> sips tea regarding happy bed. Yeah. Dionysus is still in my field. So, yeah. I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, the uh, the altar thing is really fascinating. I'm curious if anyone does have like a family altar because my uh, my daughter was really into the Dia de los Muertos, and you know, thanks to that, and our school, her school did something cool, which was not which was fun around that holiday. Had one of the parents talk about their family altar at home, their ofrenda, and uh, it kind of inspired us. And we're and now like we're 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 gearing up to having a ofrenda this year that time of year um and i've never done it before and i'm really excited to just see what that looks like to give our ancestors some real love and appreciation and invite them back into our homes with delicious food i remember the offenders with the feast of food exactly it's like eat, the smell of food can even bring in spirits and ancestral energy and you know all those all, all of that I mean, it's fascinating, too, like even with a lot of deity work, that's one of the most common things, right, is to offer food, the power of food. Yes. Actually, this feels kind of related. So since we're thinking about the kitchen in multiple generations, there is something. Yes. Tiff says there is something about gathering in multiple generations that makes you feel bigger than yourself. Wow, I'm going to let that sink in for a second. There is something about gathering multiple generations that makes you feel bigger than yourself. That is so well said. Yeah. 
you know, I, I know that in the pot and Nobu especially, but so many of us, and we use that language bodies a lot. And something about the way you said that kind of made me think about like, wow, you kind of can see like, yes, I'm this unique individual, but there's like this other body called the family. And like, what is this bigger body that is this line? And, you know, families also have this sense, like we might not remember more than five or, you know, four or five generations back, depending on how good your genealogy is in the house or um, sort of ancestral kinship. But when you when you contemplate a family for a moment, you can really kind of tap into the eternity of all things because you're like, wait a second, I'm situated in this thing that goes back. Who knows how far back? Like, you know, every mother that in my line has had a mother until I don't know. Right. It goes back. And then conceivably, if the generations keep having kids, it could go on conceivably until no one can have kids anymore. So like. If you think about the archetypal, and especially if you get beyond like actual blood um, and move to family that's also, you know, sort of adopted family or family that is um, that is created, this sort of sense of family kind of taps into the sense of eternity, this thing that can go on forever at, at both ends. Yes, clock that generational maths. Mm. And this actually is a nice segue to kind of the one a couple of the archetypes that were coming up for me where I'd said, you know, in the, in our culture thread, just sort of saying, okay, if we're thinking that a lot of cultures, a lot of more patriarchal societies uh, colonized and displaced and sort of enforced their patriarchal values on matriarchal, right? Sort of at the mythic level, there was this shift between sort of earth goddess style of worship and myth into more sky father worship and myth right and uh and i was curious about what a do others feel that sense too that there's like maybe that's way too oversimplified right but there is something about it but i was curious like if we think about human mothers i, I want to just before we like and I, we were thinking about like well what would that what age would go past that and uh, Agnew on, on on the pot had said the child, right? And that makes a lot of sense. If you've got the Earth Mother, Sky Father, well, what's the age of the child look like? And he had mentioned specifically Horus, who is also a Sky deity, interestingly. Um, but I'm curious before we like, I'm just curious to see what's coming up for people thinking about mother, father, child. And I also am curious what might we say about the mother and father? Like we know that. We know all the sort of bad cultural ramifications of our patriarchal society that we're still enmeshed within right now. Um, but I'm wondering if like if we were to and also there's a real risk, right? Because now we're talking mother, father. It's hard not to talk about masculine, feminine, and then it gets it can get messy there, right? We start to think about human gender uh, and it starts to be like, you know, man, woman type thing. But I'm I'm trying to I'm wondering, and maybe it's not possible to do, whereas a human being is masculine and feminine, right? We we are made up of both um of the energies. Um I know some traditions and lineages and uh like young, for instance, with the animus and the anima might even say, well, if you're in a male body, you probably have a female sort of soul and vice versa. 
I don't know if it's as clean as that, but um, either way, I do think humans are completely a mix of these, um, these, what's even the right word? Well, these these energies, we'll say. But I think for the for the hell of it, I do think maybe there is a way to think about just an archetypal father, not an actual human father, an archetype of father, sort of an etheric father and an etheric archetypal mother. What might differentiate those? What might the qualities be of this archetypal mother and archetypal father to sort of get a sense of what might a, a combination, a synthesis of it look like for the child? And I was playing with some ideas, and I'll share them real quickly. I didn't really get too far with the child. I really was like just thinking about even the mother and father at a deep archetypal level. And I didn't do a lot of research on this. I was just like, let's just see what comes up. So this is just wild my bizarre conjecture and thinking and sitting there seeing what comes up but for me the words that came up uh and again this is just not from like a a human gender but like a archetypal mother father i thought that the mother what came up to me was like the word nourish this nourishing was really the word that came from me but also this drawing in and this sort of merging, the bringing to the breast, right? Archetypally, this bringing in. And then with the father, I felt the word intention. Um, like just a pure intention, like this very thoughtful intention um, and this willful intention. And and also like the opposite, like so this repelling, this attacking, the keeping like which you could say maybe protective, but also just like pushing away things that maybe, yeah. So those are some of the things that came up for me. And I will say that the first thing that did come up when I thought about what brings together these archetypes of like nourishing and intention, and I couldn't help but think of like the word cultivate um, and cultivating soil and land uh, which is a, la- a lot of imagery and language that we use at the pot, too. And I think it's beautiful because to me, like, when you're talking about cultivating, I think you are bringing together nourishing with water, with ample sunlight, right? With speech, and thought, but also intention, right? Like, you're putting certain plants with certain others, right? Or you're introducing maybe certain species of of fauna or flora in order to bring harmony into this place, right? So it's this beautiful mix of like nourishing and intentionality and this bringing together, I think, of maybe some interesting like archetypal mother, archetypal father. But that's just sort of what I had written down and come up for me. Hoda, thank you for saying that some of this aligns for you. I'm curious what comes up for you all when you think about like, again, trying not to think too much like human mother human father because our human mothers and fathers are real life human beings who are messy and all over the place and you know you're just thinking like archetypal mother archetypal father if we were to say okay we we came from like an age of more maternal earth then we went to this age of more father sky air kind of thing and if we were going into a new age like yeah, just trying to think through like what what are the markings what are the things that we would want to take from both right in this synthesis what do we want to stay uh as we move into this new age what do we want 
what are those beautiful gifts we get from the archetype of mother and what are those beautiful gifts we get from the archetype of father and how do we blend them together and synthesize them in a new novel beautiful way oh hoda says this question is getting me a little sentimental i love sentimentality yes Just gonna hold space and see what what comes up for people. Ooh, Ziff says thinking about how it shows up in animals. Yeah, the animals are an interesting thing to study when it comes to masculine and feminine, and mother and father. Because the other thing with father, that like some of those animals in the animal kingdom, they're rough, right? Like the father doesn't do damn near anything for the kid other than the seed. So what does that mean too? Like at an archetypal level, what is this archetypal seed? Because that's really important to the father, the seed. The seed that carries all of the potential that needs the egg, the womb, to nurture it so that the potential is actually able to come out and flourish. This bridging of, of a seed and an egg, of potential becoming reality. But that's just one thing that came up when you said for animals. I'd love to hear, Tiff, what comes up for you thinking about animals. Yeah, that intention you said is the seed and a lot of the mothers nourish it. Yeah. Yeah, but even like, yeah, this, and but it's, it's also mixed up, right? Like you have the mother nourishing it, but I find it interesting that like, <laughs> this is so weird, <laughs> but like, even like semen, right? You think about just thinking about semen, like a literal but also archetypal level. The semen has the seed, but it also carries the food for the for the sperm too. Like there's there's some sustenance that's in that semen as well as the actual seed. I just don't know why that's coming coming up for me. And the mothers also have so much intentionality. So it's like this beautiful blending, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of, kind of like what you said on that level of, um, like I'm thinking about like animals and and sometimes people like the father, the father in in the archetype is kind of like everything's leading up to dropping this seed off in mm. whatever you know, whatever the, in the ground, in the soil, in the in the mother, whatever. And like after that, like like necess necessity wise, like they, their their job is done. That right, like mm. I got you, I got you, um, you my half of the person. Go ahead and do what you need to do with that. And like th it's like a beginning for the mother archetype because now like you got to gestate it, you got to birth it, you got to feed it, you got to you know do all the things like that. And like in, I guess in like in the people version, it's kind of like a lot of times the dad is just like, I got, I got some life skills I can share with you and, you know, uh, go on and do what you need to do after that. You're on your own. I taught you what I needed to teach you. Like this, like mentally planting the seed and hoping, hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. And, um. So yeah, it's kind of a a continuous reiteration of that, I think. 
Ooh. There's there's more to it, but I'm, I'm still thinking about it. No, but thank you. I think I just love the way that you that you use planting the seed in that case too, where it's like there's this yes, because you do think of the archetypal father like dropping these seeds throughout the life of like here's some things that hopefully one day will that you can that are planting inside of you mentally that hopefully will flourish and. Some of them plant horrible toxic seeds in their kids. And then thankfully, some of them plant really wise seeds. Oh, and then yes, Hoda says, um, uh, literally, they they kind of stay as the gardener in their own way. Even after the baby is born, they also pass on wisdom that spans generations sometimes. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I love that. I love what you're saying there. I'm just going to let that sit for a second, too. Wow. Yeah, and like what? Protection in other ways, Hoda says. They sometimes will like pave the path for the baby before they even learn to walk. The path of life, that is. Oh, yeah. Sort of laying that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know... There is there is something to that this sort of laying the path, like because there's work involved too. Like there are some very industrial, industrious male types, and certainly with humans, that's how a lot of societies have run, where the, the males are maybe doing a um, they're they're expected to work in different ways, um, to build homes, to build, uh, and to and to yeah to protect the space. Because if the space is not safe from attack, then they can't. Nothing can get nurtured, right? So this is coming together of these forces and energies. Hmm. And what about this child? You know, like I had mentioned that I'm going to look up what what came up in the in that conversation. But I said when he said the child, when Agnew said the child, immediately I kind of started to think about creativity. I think of just the, the beautiful imagination and creativity of a child. And I get to see that firsthand with my six-year-old. It's kind of incredible to see. Um, but I'm curious what else what else comes up for this idea of like, what would a synthesis look like? Uh, and that's what sort of Agnew had said. He said, I agree with creativity, naivete, both good and bad. Ooh, I like that. The overriding theme, though, is that it would be a synthesis of the prior two ages. And I just was really struck by that. I'm like curious what else comes up for folks what that might look like what might it age and does it feel like maybe we are in a transition towards that age or do we still feel like yeah i'm just wanting to want to open this up to see if anyone feeling either way i think that, that an age of a child makes a lot of sense to me and i think also what i shared was like if we have the earth and the uh sky you know what might the next element be too? And I mentioned maybe water coming our way. Uh, yeah, I think for um, the child, I see like the idea of along with like creativity, like maybe, like maybe we are, I don't know, like if the whole world is, but like, I know in, in my circles, there's like a lot of, reparenting the inner child i mean it's because it's because we've all we're all at that age where you like finish finish acting out all your inner child shenanigans and now it's time to like do the work and reparent yourself instead of blaming the world 
So mm. it's like everybody's kind of turning towards that child archetype and it's like, okay, you've done some healing. Now you got this creativity. And also it's this flexibility of having like understood both sides of the parent um, coin and being able to go back and forth between between the different um what is it dichotomies like you can you can mm-hmm. be you can be disciplined cuz you got to you got to be like the father for yourself you got to get this work done i got to go to work um and got time to be nurturing but then you can be your mother's side and be like okay self care got to got to you know meditate and and calm myself down and give my energy back so i can what go to work tomorrow and like you got to you 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 start to be able to uh, swing between both sides of the of the two parent archetypes as the child and that and that flexibility is part of the child part like to be able to pull from both sides cuz you have the two parental influences on both sides to like compare and contrast and and synthesize like you said put them together like you can be both you can be one you can be the other you could be both be in the middle dance all night like whatever um that just having a looseness of flex you know it's like a flexibility i keep saying that but yeah, it's like you're not as rigid and i got to be i got to be the good mother like obviously i got to you know i have to be disciplined and and, and get get make sure these babies got a roof over their head like you have to sometimes you got to know when to let one go and come back and that's why it's kind of hard to do it with people because people are have been a child and then like whatever whatever parent they become father or mother or or whatever like it's uh they have to they have to do that for themselves and that's why it's kind of hard to box them into a role of that type Thank you. Mm. Both. Thank you for sharing all that. That's amazing. Yes. Yes, I love everything. I love the reparenting. I love how it does feel very timely to sort of reparent at a higher level. Um yeah, and wow. Especially for this sort of age group like millennials and Gen Z, wow. And sort of being able to, to to bring up both. I can't help but also feel like, now I'm trying, I was trying not to like, to, to make this like about like current social dynamics, but it is so interesting that if, if for example, this sort of archetypal mm, vibratory signature might be sort of, humming behind things um which may not be the case but if if it were it would be interesting wouldn't it be interesting if that was connected to some of this all this amazing conversations around gender and the gender spectrum that have been so prevalent Hoda says, felt so real, especially with reparenting oneself and not boxing people in because we don't know what roles they play in their lives. Yeah, it's the not boxing people in it and that language that really made me think about some of the gender stuff too because I do think that the way that we had started to 
come to understand gender. You know, we've been fighting about it. It's in the culture war, at least in America, especially, but most of I think the um, the Western world, at least. Um, I don't, I won't speak for other places, but it feels like that's been such a big dominant theme, and uh, the sort of younger generation throwing all that into the wrench, and it's like, oh, this isn't even about the battle of the genders. This is the battle of why do you even need to be so slavishly sort of boxed into gender roles or gender. Um, archetypes even right why do you have to play them out why does a man have to act a certain way and a woman have to act a certain way right um and i think it's really interesting that it's coming at this time where it's like maybe this child is uh is gender fluid which i get might be a little bit uh cheeky or not correct but like you know i can't help but think of like mercury right this sort of energy of uh hermaphroditic energy right or eunuch energy even um but yes though adam is what hoda's saying so hoda's feeling some of this i'm curious if there's any more anything more that's coming up but i even when i was thinking about the child and like the synthesis i'm like would it i don't think this child's male or female i think this child is yes all of the above mm. Yeah, Adam, I wanted to say that, uh, like, just kind of to tie in what Tiff was saying and to kind of piggyback with what you're saying, that feels really aligned for me because I also feel like, and maybe some of us can relate and others can't, but I also feel like there's a very popular social notion of, like, kids sort of embodying or, like, children or young children, especially, like, embodying more of, like, a primordial like innocence that we associate to with children so like when you when you said like like the idea that like there's like a gender fluidity or like um a unit quality to like newborns or like babies just entering this world i i definitely can feel that i feel like for me um per on a personal level it relates because i remember when i was born i was told that like my head got shaved off and I was like nameless for like a, a period of time before I was given a name. And then like my like curly, crazy hair grew back. So it's like, you know, things got filled in with time. But it makes me think about how, um, of course, there's like really strict polarizations in the West where it's like, OK, if you're born as a like young uh, girl child, then you're automatically given like a huge like library of of like uh boxes to fit in and then same with a uh, boy children or um even intersex children there's there's a lot of i think boxes that are available for people to fit into but then of course i'm sure we all feel this this constraints of those social boxes which actually brings me back to what tiff was saying and how that relates like even the social world like i noticed that even in my friend circles where i'm like um there's like a specific type of energy and mostly i'll be real with my friends it's the inner child like that's when usually i feel the safest and my friends feel the safest with me is like when we can leave those boxes at the threshold of our like friendship container in this example and like come in and just like play and like make space for our naivety make space for one another's mistakes like pick up each other up and i can like and there are some other social dynamics where depending on the closeness, of course, and the rapport you have with other people, 
where you can kind of like get to that level where it's like, okay, we get together and our inner children come out. Um, but it also doesn't take away from the fact that, yeah, like some of the cases with my friends, like when we leave those containers, they have to like be professional and like work, like to said, like get up and like motivate themselves and maybe do some meal prepping. But I don't see that. Like, I mean, obviously if I talk to them, I will, but just for this context, I'm like, I don't see that part of them. And then the part of them that does meditate and like has to be a mother to themselves, I don't necessarily see it. So I don't know. It just kind of, I'm really happy that y'all brought it up because it just, it helps situate the polarities that we're talking about in a very like, I don't know, like a very clean context for me where I'm like, oh my God, like, I mean, obviously we know this, but the world is so much more complex than like is given credit to. So <laughs> I'm glad we got here. Thank y'all. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for dropping some lore, by the way. I made a comment. I was like, ooh, we're getting some lore. I was like trying to think like at the mythic level, like, ooh, having no name. The hair shaved with the baby, like there's some power. I don't even know what that means, but I was just sitting with that too. But I love what you said so much. And I also am so grateful that you brought in this element of play. This feels really important to me. Play. And like, what does that mean if we were to say, okay, this child is creative? He's sort of, and you know, the thing about gender, right? So we talk about like gender, like maybe there's not a conformity to sort of like gender rules, but also it gets us talking about sex. Like one of the things that's so beautiful about children is the innocence of sex, right? And you know that is powerfully like the you know it's so funny like when you see and you and I've seen this too. I even can see this like this. Oh, it's hard to describe, but I've seen it where like you see kids. I saw him talking about TikTok too, where you see like a boy and a girl, like, like what we perceive as flirtation, but they're just being kids, right? And you'll say someone like, oh, they like each other or like, and it's like, dude, they don't even have any sense of all that. That's you projecting your adult consciousness and adult themes onto this child. Like they're just being kids, man. And let them. And I'm just like, and wouldn't our whole society be so much better in some ways if we took so much of, I mean, we are literally, at least this is how I feel, drowning in sacral energy, but sacral energy that's all over the place and like, you know, can be quite destructive sometimes, right? What if we were able to be like kids and take all that sacral energy and create stuff or just play? It's the same energy, but we keep making it about sex. And the child doesn't. Child can take that beautiful sacral chakra energy and just create things out of nothing, out of little play. Like like the little girl in Toy Story that picked up a freaking spork and gave it life, right? She used like a random Pixar archetype because I can't help but my cartoon archetypes. Right? She gave that thing life. Like that sacral energy is life-giving. It is life-giving. And but we we turn it into just sort of this one act, and I think maybe this is on my mind too because I was thinking about Zeus. It's like how do we get Zeus? You know what's going, what's up with him? Like the, all the and like how many things in these mythology? Even when I was reading about Hestia, about like her virginity, like there's so much that just goes down to like once this sexual desire comes in, there's this need to like possess, and it's like dude, sex is beautiful, 
But like possession, not so beautiful. Why can't we tap into this play? Like what if the gods learn how to play with each other more? Gods need their damn inner children to get some time together, right? And we need it too at a psychic level. Like instead of, ha- you know, anyway, I'll stop for a second. And Hoda says, mm, the divine child is absolutely about a return to innocence to be. I really, yes. She said, instead of smiting each other regarding the gods, yeah, like play. You don't need to like, oh my gosh. The jealousy. Oh, uh, the smiting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about so many different things, so I'm just trying to try to settle myself down here for this last little stretch. Cosmic patty cake, anyone? Hoda says. Yeah, for real. Like, let's just play a game. Um, and I do think it's interesting that, like, some some of the, anyway, yeah, that some of the 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 things that come up with like mystery religions and and that those kinds of traditions are play, right? You put on a mask, you wear a costume, and you become the gods, and you dance with the gods, or you become an animal and dance with the animal spirits, right? There's a play. We play, and we can co-create in that sense of play in a way that um, can hopefully be nourishing and intentional to bringing together the mother and father, right? Um, And that play can both draw everyone in together and push away some bullshit egregores and demonic sort of entities and, and, and negative things, things that we don't want in, right? That play kind of repels a certain sense of seriousness and egoic possessiveness that can't really fully thrive in a sense of play like who's in charge of a play i mean technically once someone starts boss and even as we come back from after they come back um i might get rid of that recording but even as like kids will come back and say like you know when they complain about kids at school it's like they're too bossy during play right this is the complaint i hear because then then there's no more play once someone's bossing everyone around, it's no longer a play, right? Now, now you're, you're, you're taking over. In a sense of true play, there's no hierarchy. There's no hierarchy other than you just have to go within the contents of the play. That's the rules. The rules of the play are, as long as it sort of makes sense within the, the rules of the play, that makes sense. Okay, well, we're such and such characters, so I can bring in these elements and I can play, right? And you just sort of, sort of stick around that. Um, thing with improv, right? Uh, the yes and kind of mindset. So, yeah, kind of just checking in. I see two exclamation marks, so I think that play piece really stuck out to uh, to someone. But wanted to see if anyone else has anything that's coming up with them thinking about this uh, more, kind of this addendum of play, of emphasis on Hoda's transmission. As we maybe start to wind down the conversation, just curious if anyone has anything that's up for them today, things that they might want to take with them for the week, or maybe ways that they might want to, I don't know, see how this, this, these different ages are playing out for them 
yeah, I mean, maybe it's something like, I wonder if anyone, this is a weird question, very strange question. <laughs> so I might not get much from anyone or myself as I try to answer it myself, but like, because uh, both Tiff and Hoda mentioned sort of inner child work and how powerful that can be. And to really honor the inner child. And like, I love the way you were describing your time with your friends, Hoda, like where you, you know, you really create these spaces where the inner child is allowed to play and where that sense of innocence might be able to come back. Um, and I'm curious, like what, what, lessons from your own inner child work and journeying do you think a that are relevant in this conversation right now but b might be relevant at a collective level if we were as we said last week to sort of think about new stories new myths new narratives new archetypes for a new age My inner child is, uh, well, I was just thinking about my past and like childhood, like outer child as a child. When I was a youth, I was um, heavily into the school life doing studying and I didn't like homework. But at some point, maybe my inner teenager was just put on some music and go to town and like I would... I just have like I just remember Aaliyah's last album specifically linked to Algebra 2 homework for like a year. <laughs> and so like that's kind of what I'm doing now like as as I'm as I'm being the uh the blacksmith or whatever. I'm just like tapping back into like man, I miss I miss how old Tiff used to study hard just like learning stuff and it was just like being interested in things, being curious about things, like the the if if I don't say curious in in one of these radio chats, am I even here? Like, <laughs> well, bringing up curiosity again, like I'm just like I would like to know. I'm curious. I would like to know the things, and like I see people talking about things around me as I'm like learning one thing. They keep mentioning stuff I don't understand, so I go like or like put that in put that in the box. Go learn the next thing. And like, that's one thing my inner child is always trying to figure out what's going on, what's really going on. So um, I'm bringing that back and trying to like, now that we've had this discussion here today, I'm trying to like bring that into like, what is whatever the blacksmith is over there doing? Like make sure the intention and the, and the, and the freedom to creativity is there. Like maybe it'll be a really fancy, cool chef knife with designs and stuff on it. That's where I'm at. Bring, bring the inner child into my current, my current archetype. What's, what's the blacksmith look like as a kid? Ooh. I love that. Thank you also for bringing in this particular aspect of um, the sort of curious student energy is what, kind of how I was describing it in the chat. Like that's so powerful. And it's so beautiful with a, with a child. And I like how you said, like, just trying to figure out what's going on. That's how I feel, too, sometimes. I'm like, I just want to know what's going on. Like, reality, what is? What is? What is this? Um, and I, but I also love the way you bridged this sort of curiosity in your child work with the blacksmith. Um, that's really cool, too. And it's like, <laughs> because of this mixing of images, like, it's such an interesting blending of images of like 
this fascinating, like I could just imagining a, a child like in awe of the blacksmith process and the need to really, to not stifle that child's curiosity, but to also keep them protected from the flames, from the danger of this sort of tempering process. While we're, uh, while we're here. That's interesting. I love that. Oh. Wow. So the blacksmith has a child. And yeah, please keep bringing curiosity into every container. That is always, that is always welcome. I mean, it's so beautiful. Blacksmith baby. <laughs> says Hoda. And Lexi uh, says the grandmother archetype has been in my field this past week in particular. Like she's vaster than the mother. It can be a hearth for children. Yes. There is something really powerful about like the grandmother as like a vaster mother. I thank you for phrasing it that way. Because yeah, like when you say a vaster mother, when I think of like again, I'm trying to like combine sort of my actual grandmothers and grandmothers I've met with like archetypal grandmother, right? And see and it's kind of fun to see that interplay between them. Um, but what comes up for me is like, yeah, the mother, like there's some, there's so much ego and expectation that the grandmother has been able to shed. I feel like when you're a parent, mother or father, you're just, you're trying to teach your kids. You're trying to keep them safe. There's a lot of trying. And when I see like my mother-in-law or my mother with my daughter and I see other grandparents, there's such an ease where they're not trying to do a whole lot. There's a sort of vaster knowledge of like, actually by me just kind of keeping my cool and letting the kid be a kid, there's a lot of work happening that's sort of subtle that may not seem like a lot to like a parent who's like, oh, but, but what if they do this? What if they do that? What if they do this? You know, but it's like the grandmother is like, mm, but it's okay. Let him, let him, let him, let him be a kid. Let him be a kid. And that's not every grandmother. I mean, there's lots of harsh grandmothers, <laughs> but uh, there's something ease. There's an ease with grandmothers, I feel like, and a sort of, I don't know, a calming presence that like pervades rooms with grandmother energy present. Um, and I think, come tying it back to the hearth, like, I think that that grandmother energy. Like when you have food that's been that's been imbued with the grandmother energy, let's talk about hit different. You know, that's really nourishing. That is really nourishing. And sort of um, to use the parlance of like today's psychology, um, you know, really regulating energetically, I think. Or at least that's how I've experienced it. Whereas the grandfather, like there's, they, they have that too. Like there's a, there's a mellowing that happens, but there's still that sharpness that's present with a lot of grandfathers, I feel like, but it's a more mellow one. It's more like the old samurai who sheathed the sword, but when it comes out, you're like, damn, that thing's so sharp. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. And they say like old man strength. Like there's this weird thing where it's like, you try to fight an old man and you're a young man, you might get surprised you might get your ass whooped because there's this sort of like that sword, there's an energy, there's a fire, there's something sharp that's sheathed that's been sort of, um, you know, that, that they've learned to, that they've learned the proper restraint 
but but they're unrestrained. Ooh, careful now. Especially if they've really refined that energy and they know when to use it. Forget about it. <laughs> Tish says she shook hands with an old church deacon and almost broke my hand. Yeah, man. There's strength and wisdom. It's like, I don't even know. Dirty, says Hoda. Yes. Yes. I'm glad grandmother and grandfather came up because they're really important here, too. They're re- and this whole lineage. Actually, this is all feeling much more complete now that, now that I'm like seeing how all these elements have been brought up in this container. Especially when we came back to the hearth and like this, the generation, right? This family where it's like, yes, there's a child, but also like a bringing together of the family. Lexi says, I never had grandparents in my life on both sides. So I feel like I'm new to grandmother, grandfather personally. I also felt like I've been moving through grief relating to that too. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's got to be a really special grief too. And I really, um, I hope you honor and cherish that grief, which probably sounds really strange. It sounds strange even as I say it, but it's such a beautiful one. And in the, you know, I'm sure it's not pleasant, but beautiful in the sense of like, just so deeply human and to like really just grieve not having had that particular piece and allowing yourself to grieve that fully feels extremely beautiful to me. Um, yeah. And like, I'm also thinking about like some of the like indigenous stuff I've read. They'll use that term a lot, a lot, term a lot, like grandmother river, right. Or grandfather moon, you know, calling, calling nature, grandmother, grandfather as a sign of love. Oh, you know, it came up in the, uh, in the, in the, something that we shared on the, in the pot. Someone shared something about the playfulness of, um, of spirit with indigenous tribes. And I think that anyway, they, that, they come up about grandfather and they're talking about, they call the bear grandfather bear. Right. But I've heard that in many other places. Anyway, it's also just making me think about this child in relationship to this larger generational family that they're in. And also now to bring it back, because I seem to not be able to have an archetypal hour that doesn't talk about Disney movies. I did mention a Pixar movie before, but now I'm thinking about the movie Encanto, which came up, I think, in one of our previous times we talked, where so much of that story is about this child who seemingly has no magic power in a family and generations of magical powers. But we find out her power is really bringing her whole family together in a new harmonious way and sort of becoming the heir to her grandmother, right? Becoming the next sort of matriarchal presence. Uh, but I think in a different way, like, again, I think for some, someone like maybe just because I'm reading in sort of projecting in the social norms of, my own age into a story from that own age into this but you know maybe mirabelle archetypally the child is able to what again do it in a way that is not just sort of like the grandmother but is bringing in all the elements of the family disney tiff says disney collects archetypal stories lol good references sometimes true true i mean they're pulling from all the fairy tales right uh and fairy tales that's where we get the archetypes from uh, a lot of them especially in the west they're coming from these old stories, yeah. And Disney's 
you know, they're creating some new ones sometimes, but they're usually pulling. They're they're referencing from a lot of great cultural elements and ingredients. Hopefully done respectfully. Usually, not always. Um, certainly, with those old ones that have the great warnings attached to them. Um, but yeah, thank you, for, thank you all for bringing this full family. This has like been a family of archetypes. It feels like, and I don't know. I feel I still feel like the age of the child is something that's really exciting and juicy to play with. But now I'm seeing it differently thanks to you all. I'm kind of feeling like this child that's really able to to not just chart something new, but chart something new with their whole family still. You know, and a lot of stories do that too. The the, the you know the typical hero's journey usually return they return back home. Um, but I think what does it look like to have a hero's journey that's a little bit more of like I don't know it's the child doing their own thing but I'm not sure I don't even have the words for it I'm just going to stop actually I'm just going to stop and let let holistic maybe thank you Hoda yeah I don't know what the word is but holistic feels like very close to what I was feeling aha holistic w-h-o-l-e istic ah yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That feels juicy, though. Like, it's a child. It's the age of the child, but, but a child that, that respects their family, respects their ancestry so much that they're willing to fight it. They're willing to push for change. And I think that's what comes through to me in that, in that story with Antonio and Mirabelle is like, her love of her family is so deep that she's willing to fight it. That she's willing to upset the whole apple cart because she loves it that deeply. And that's a, a love that can be really frustrating to some who, who think of love more as like just doing everything, like siding with them all the time uh, or just sort of doing what, what they're told. But I think that love is a deeper love. A love that looks towards a more whole healing and unification that allows diversity. Wow. Well, thank you all. I just want to like hold space at the end here to see if anything, yeah, if anything else is coming up for anyone that they might want to share or maybe a takeaway or something that they might sit with longer or something that they feel like, oh, I want to put that in my pocket. Um, and it's okay if nothing comes up, but I'm really just curious what, what else people are, are leaving with. But that's what I'm leaving with today. Ooh. But it says, I just have Loki killed right now. Yeah. I did too, especially when that, when I realized you all had like really brought the whole family in. It just felt so much vaster when I started to sit with this more. Yeah. Ah, what it says, she's leaving with that loving so hard you'd fight for or against it. I just felt something too that I don't know how to put words to, but thank you. Well, I really want to thank you all once again. This has felt really, um, affirming to me 
and uh, juicy and fun and playful too. And I think we really did some interesting conversation and, and exploration around these archetypes. And I'm just excited to see if how that might continue. And I'm really excited to hear how all of you continue your own journeys. The blacksmith still at work. I'm curious. To, I can't wait to see what what that knife looks like and what that sharp culinary cooking that chef's knife looks like. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to to that table chef um, chef tip. And I, I really love this the student energy, and both uh, Tiff and Lexi both mentioned the student energy, and I feel like that's an energy I always like to live in too. So I feel like that's another one that I really want to thank everyone and. and uh, encourage everyone to continue their beautiful, curious student energy, that sense of wonder and awe that can propel us uh, through this really mysterious, fun, exciting life. Yeah, thank you all. Um, and I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Uh, and if anyone has any, we'll, I'll try to create a thread. I have to go right back into householder duty right after this, but Later, I'll try to create a thread so that we can continue some of these themes. And yeah, love to hear what else comes up for people as, as I do. So thank you all. And thank you for those that might be listening on YouTube or other spaces.